You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Turn in your of God's Word or turn on your devices to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, If you're using the Pew Bible that's in front of you, it's page 1037. 1037. There's a couple of things you will probably want to see a printed copy of God's Word, so you might want to pull that out and look at that uh, or on your device. Today we are beginning, since we're together, a new series. What is it that God has done for us and through us to bring us together? Well, in a church family, we've been given a church covenant that we agree to come together in, that God has made us better together. And many have minimalized church membership. Some churches have. Uh, We have in some way, in the way that we treat it. But we know by God's standard and God's word that he has given us a gift to give us something better together, that we are better in church together. Committed to a church is more than being committed to a club. It's actually something that gives us the benefit of an eternal relationship with each other and in him. And today, what I want us to see is that through Christ, God has brought us together as God's family. And so that's what we're going to look together in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. So let's read that uh, in your copy as I read it aloud. So then, remember at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At the same time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed and regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So that when you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together 
grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Let us pray. God, we ask you by the power of your word that is living and active, that nothing I say will make a difference, only that your word will rule and reign, that your word will change our hearts, that God, you will help us to remove the selfishness that we see this world and submit ourselves together to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Many of you know that I'm a New York Yankees fan, and for uh, my whole life, I was heard about the Yankees growing up. My dad, actually being born in eastern Kentucky, at night when the radio waves kind of have a longer distance, uh, he remembers listening in eastern Kentucky to Mickey Mantle hitting uh, uh, for the New York Yankees. And so I remember hearing about him growing up and, and, and how he loved listening to him, waiting for him to hit a home run. And then uh, about when I started to pay attention to baseball, then the New York Yankees started to win World Series and Derek Jeter became our favorite player. And then we named our dog after Derek Jeter. So we, you know, we're, we're a purified Yankees fans, right, Mike Sousa? And so we grew up, we took on everything about the New York Yankees and especially the hatred of the Red Sox. I mean, we, we know that there is a dividing line that comes between Yankees and Red Sox fans. As a matter of fact, in my hometown, uh, they changed the minor league team affiliate from the Rockies to the Red Sox. And I used to go all the time, but when they changed affiliations, I said, I'm not entering that building at all. You have to pay me to God. I have to have free tickets to go to that game and which actually ended up happening because the only time that I ever went was because we were taking, we went as a church and we would go to the minor league uh, game together. And so we would go and I would get a, uh, you know, we kind of had to go. And so we went and I would actually cheer for the other team because I did not want to have anything to do it. Now, I know that that seems brash, but I have friends that took that rivalry even Further, he, uh, my Yankees friend uh, who had his son play for a t-ball team, uh, he signed his, t- his son up to play and uh, he found out they were going to be the Red Sox. And so he went to the commissioner of the league and said, I am pulling my son until you either change the name of the team or we get put on another team. I mean, that's, I know that's crazy and it sounds crazy, but friends, We have divisions in our world over a lot of things, a lot of crazy things, right? Democrats, Republicans, North, South, PC, Mac, Coke, Pepsi. We have over teams like the Reds and the Cardinals and and UVA and Tech for me or or UK and Louisville, uh, Duke, Carolina. All these things, divisions happen. And it seems like anymore that any opinion that you have becomes a division in our culture and our world, especially on social media. It seems like anytime you have an opinion, there's a group of haters that want to come and troll you and, and ding you for every opinion you have. But, but even divisions can go even greater. As we see divisions, even yesterday, right, that someone hated Jewish people enough to go into their time of worship 
and kill them. All over the world, we see divisions happening that come even to the greatness of violence against one another. But when we read the scriptures, we see that God has done something to change the world and turn everything upside down by not keeping us separate, but bringing us together. You see, the good news that we find today is that through Christ, through salvation, that God saves us, not just to new, being new people, but to together a new people. That, that we who were divided, we who were separated, that we were de- different and separated are now together in Christ. There seems to be many things that divide us, but in Christ and in his church, we have been brought together. And the beauty that the church is and should be is that we are more beautiful. We, we radiate the pictures of heaven. We radiate Christ and the power of the gospel to forgive and, and bring down division and bring us together. That, that the fact that different races and colors can come together and worship the same Lord. Just as the picture in Revelation when every tongue, tribe, and nation comes to the feet of Jesus and praises him. We should have the picture of heaven in our churches on earth. That we bring together both the old and the young, that we care for each other, that we love each other, that we, that we can learn from each other, that there's no division in age or, or separation from who we are, that we are brought together to serve one another, that God has given each one of you a gift that is different from the person beside you, but God has brought us together to use each gift better together that we can reach the world together. We are better together in Christ. And that is the picture that we see here in Ephesians. That's what Paul is teaching us as we read these words together. You see, it is in this, Paul gives us a picture, he's writing in the church at Ephesus, that he is writing into a context that is culturally diverse, that is spiritually diverse, that is racially diverse, that is culturally diverse, that he sees in here and speaks the truth of the gospel. What a wonderful book Ephesians is, how it starts out in chapter one talking about the sovereignty and goodness of being chosen in God, that in the beginning of chapter two that we were dead And now we were made alive through the grace of Jesus Christ. And here he goes even further that the power of the grace and the good news of Jesus creates in us something that's unified and new that breaks down every division and actually creates a new people unified together in the church. See, friends, the good news of being together in a church is this is that God has created us a new person, but he has brought us together in a new people. This text helps us to see that a commitment to Christ and his church are important in our lives because that's what Christ has done in us. Now, it's great when we read this, and if you're reading the Bible in your devotion time, that there's a lot of good clues to help you understand the thought 
And Paul did a real, sometimes Paul gets excited and just starts writing and he gets excited. But here he did a great job of hashing out the important thought process that that goes here. In verse 11, so then remember. And then in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 19, he says, uh, so then you are no longer foreigners or strangers. And if you see that in the text, it helps you to think through the ideas that Paul is teaching. And so in these key textual thoughts, we want to understand what the nature of being together in Christ brings us together as God's family. You ready? You tracking? All right. Number one. Before Christ, we were alienated from God and his people. Verse 11, so then remember that at one time, remember this, he says, that you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At the time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. Paul wants us to remember that living outside the new belief and faith in Jesus Christ and the covenant commitments found in him, that we were in a state of sin and alienation from God and without intimacy with each other. So there was a twofold problem that we had before Christ that he wants us to remember. That we understand ourselves in this way, that we divide ourselves when we think about ourselves first. When we put ourselves first, we logically and unnecessarily put ourselves before Christ and we divide ourselves from one another. When you're selfish, when you're me first, that's what happens. You think of yourself first. You think of, uh, of how it affects you. You don't think of God. You don't think of each other. And that's what Paul is reminding us. He says, remember your spiritual state. You who are Gentiles, he's kind of talking, he's talking to. He says, remember, he said, you were in a place where you were completely separated from the people of God. Remember the chosen people of God were the Jews until Christ came and he died for uh, the sins of all people, creating a new people that those both Jews and Gentiles could come together. Paul says, remember that you were separated because of your selfishness and sin. And we live for ourselves in divisions, don't we? We not only divide ourselves from God and our sin, but we divide ourselves and each other. In describing the state of the Gentiles, he says that we were, they were separated in warring factions. Uh, they were separated from each other. And there was a spiritual and physical separation that occurred. Look, look at this, this list of where we were before Christ. Look at verse 12. We were without Christ, excluded from citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. William Henderson summarized this by saying we were Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. Well, let's just kind of walk through this quickly together. What did we find ourselves before Christ? Well, we obviously are without Christ. Jews knew to look towards a messianic promise in Christ. 
They were looking for hope, for salvation. And those who were without Christ were looking for, for salvation outside of him or no salvation at all. In the same way today that we, without Christ, are looking to save ourselves by our own abilities, our own plans, our own goodness. And so we are without Christ, without hope, still carrying the weight of our sin and punishment for it in our lives. He says that you are without a people. They live without a people or a nation or citizenship in Israel. We know from the Old Testament that it was God's people was created in Israel and that the covenant promises had been given to Adam and Abraham, Moses and David were given to a point to be intimate with God. I mean, just think of that to say, here is this special people that are close to God and you are separated from that. That you are kept from being close to God even in an intimate sense of people. He said that he lived without a people. We were without a people. We were without promises, it says. We were outside the promises of God. That the promises specifically given to Israel are given to God's people in general. That we are, know that God is near. That God has given us a hope and a future. That God has given us a refuge and strength. And now for Christians that we know that he has given us that if we trust in Christ, that we have a hope and future and eternity. So without all these things, we're hopeless. We're hopeless. What can we do for ourselves thinking about where we were before Christ? I remember being separated from my family one time in Virginia. We have King's Dominion. Here we have King's Island, right? So it's a sister amusement park. And I remember as a child, I was separated from my family. And I went to the lost kids area. I was in this waiting room and I just kept looking at the clock. I just remember this, the feeling I felt then. Do I, do my family miss me? (laughs) Will they come for me? Do I have a people, very much a similar feelings that we're reading here. Do I even have a people that will come and find me? Will they know where to be? There was a state of hopelessness that I felt because there was no way for me to find my family on my own. There's a description here that we see as Paul drills down that we see that we're separated. He said, we're godless. There's a big divide that comes from us when we are before Christ, before who we are now in Christ, that we were without God and divided from one another. Without God, we, we know that we're separated from God, separated from God because of our sin, separated because God is holy and can't be near sin. Paul writes this again later in Ephesians chapter 4 when he says they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. And later, a few books later to Colossians, he says, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds expressed in evil actions. Friends, you see, when we chose a life or we follow without God, we are choosing to be separated from him. We are aliens and strangers and separated, but we're also separated in relationships. 
Let's not forget how ugly and separated Jews and Gentiles were. There there was a spiritual and a cultural disconnect there that that they could not even worship in the same place, that there's a a special place for God's people close to the Holy of Holies, and then there was a whole other place further away that was for people far from God, the Gentiles, that they couldn't even come. There was a line. This is, uh, they dug up in archaeology one of the signs that, that were posted. It says this, no foreigner may enter within the barrier and enclosure around the temple. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Paul is reminding us of the hatred that was in the Jews and the Gentiles, but friends, it's not much different than the divisions we try today, right? That that political idea is our enemy, uh, that that person over there is my enemy. Those Pepsi people, I can't stand those Pepsi people. Us Christians, everybody else, we create a division among us, both from God as well as from each other. And the Apostle Paul reminds us of this alienation. It's so heavy. It's like we're sinking down. He's pushing us down, wanting us to see how numerous and how far away we were from God and from each other. The vulnerable ways that we were alienated, that he are further down and further down, we are sinking. We are wanting to come up and gasp for air because we each line is a reminder that we are without Christ, excluded from people, foreigners to the covenant of promise without hope without God friends I end this and I think oh my gosh that's where I was but then verse 13 but now in Christ Jesus it's like Paul throws us something to help us float up to the top to rescue us Thankfully, a lifeline. Number two, we see the difference as Paul helps us see verse 13 to 18 that through Christ, we have been brought near to God. And we could say, and each other. And that is the argument really that Paul writes here beginning in verse 13, but in Christ, you who are far away have been brought near. How in verse 16, how was it done? Through the blood of Christ. We know that it is Christ Jesus who died for us, that it is he who died for our sins that makes this all possible. As we sang earlier on, Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. It is in Christ alone that we have hope. In verse 16, how did he reconcile people together? We see that both God and one body through the cross, he put hostility to death. How do we see that? Well, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Jesus, even on the cross, is showing that we as Christians who have been forgiven by Christ can freely forgive each other, that we have been brought near to each other because of what Christ has done on the cross. And then verse 17, what do we find? We who are far away from God, he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to us. 
so that we were far, either we were far away, meaning we were Gentiles and never heard of God in Christ, or we were Jews and we were near, almost had it right, but we just didn't have Jesus. No matter what state we were in, Christ came and gave us good news. And so maybe you're here today and you're very far away from God. You never grew up in church. You never believed the Bible. You never heard about God. You didn't want to give yourselves to the thoughts of, of Christianity. You see that it's archaic or, or that it's wrong or, or some way. You see yourself though, but you know there is a God and that you want to be near him. There is a message that God has brought you here today to bring good news of peace to you so that you can see Jesus. And the verse 19, excuse me, verse 18, how is this done? Through the power of the Spirit we have been brought near to God. There's not a power in us. There's a power outside of us that God himself has come and brought us Jesus, that we are changed by him and through him, that we are reconciled. And friends, by trusting Christ by faith, the Spirit makes us new that brings us to God. Romans chapter five, verse 10 and 11 says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Friends, Jesus is the key. Jesus is the gift. Jesus is what brings us back to God. Jesus is the thing that brings us back together. Jesus is the reconciliator that brings warring factions together. Those of us separated from God and separated from each other. The great R.C. Sproul said this, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, not simply because he had the ability to arbitrate disputes between human beings and effect through his love, example, and reconciliation among estranged people. More importantly, he is the champion of peace between God and man. He is our peace because he made atonement by shedding of his blood and removed the distance that once separated from us from God. Friends, may nothing that I say be remembered or heard anymore that it is in Christ alone that you can be brought near to God. That Christ died and rose again and that if you trust in faith and repent and believe the good news is by the Spirit you can be brought near to God, a new person. And remember this gift that we who are far away can be brought near. And maybe you're here today far away from God. If you trust Christ today, you will be saved. For those of us who know this precious gift, we know that we must be remembered that God gave us being a new people, person, new life, new start, fresh beginning, life in him. But God has given us the gift of being brought together as a people. Number three, in Christ we have been brought together in his family. Verse 19, Paul changes to see now that this hostility, all this has gone away. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. 
built on the foundation of God's apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. So Paul concludes that we are no longer what we used to be, foreigners and strangers, but something more beautiful and grand. And he gives us a list he, that we are now citizens, citizens of heaven. First century, it was important to be a citizen of Rome because there was a lot of benefits that came. Uh, tax benefits. It also, uh, you could not be crucified as a Roman citizen. Uh, you could be put to death, but not in that cruel way. There was many privileges that came. But we who are in Christ, we have a new citizenship it's in heaven, in, in the heaven, heavenly realms in Christ, we, have, we don't have visas that expire. Uh, we are brought together in Christ. We are eternally His. In, in God's kingdom, we come into agreement, not in a constitution, but instead the teaching of the apostles and the prophets, that the Bible is our foundation, that we agree together that it will guide our lives individually and corporately. Uh, Next, he says that we are a member of God's house. Literally, the Greek word is again, oikos, again, the, the ones we use for our Sunday night, house ones or house people. We're even closer than citizens. Look at this personal relationship. We are now part of the family of God. We are sons and daughters. We are now in dependent on one another. We have a support system because we're not outside, but we're inside. We're intimately connected to one another that when we have burdens and problems and, and extreme uh, trials, that we have one another who will sacrifice and love one another and hold each other accountable. We see that we are being fashioned into a temple. Paul was writing to Ephesus where the Greek goddess Artemis had a majestic temple. Archaeology tells us that Paul is saying that even greater than this temple, you are being built into the family and temple of God. That you are bringing glory to God. Together, you are bringing glory to him and how you love one another, how you serve one another, how you serve God. And it all happens because Christ is the cornerstone. Now, over at the Children's Museum, they used to, before they renovated, they had a vinyl plush kind of arch that you could build. And uh, it was, I mean, it was tall, as tall as my hands. And I don't know why I was in the Children's Museum, because there was no kid that could actually do that. And there's no way you could stack it as far. The key to building the arch is not the foundation here and not the foundation here. Why is that? Because if you just start building an arch and you don't, it's, it's not this, there's these, these, these parts here that could fall down, right? So what was the key? The capstone. If you didn't put the capstone together right, everything else fell down. And friends, it is in Christ that we know that he is the cornerstone of our church, of our lives, and of our life together. You see, it is this beautiful stone. There's nothing wonderful about a stone except for that it brings walls together. And those of us who live and feel like that we mostly want to be by ourselves, 
or that we struggle individually or that we're separated by ideas, we are coming together around the beauty of Christ who is the cornerstone. God, and through Christ, has done something beautiful, bringing people together of all backgrounds, people of all places with sketchy pasts and, and wonderful pasts. Those who, who are coming together, we are coming together into something beautiful because what Christ has done for us. We are made to be together. There was a study done that a majority of people believe that religion can be done on our own. But friends, you cannot read the New Testament and find evidence of that anywhere. God has created us to be together. That he is working us together, fashioning us in a temple, a, a body of people who bring glory to God. He unites us together. And it's important what we do together. So all of this, what we've read today, what does this bring us to being a covenant people? It's where we live the reality of our lives that God has brought us separate from him into a body together. And where do we live the reality of our lives? The local church. Now, you can read here and see that Paul is more than likely talking about the universal church that we are, we are bringing bought, brought together, but he also is talking about a church that is committed together because he talks about the holy temple of coming to the foundation of the apostles and prophets, that there is a commitment to one another. And so as Jonathan Lehman points out that people often say the church is a people, not a place, but yes, importantly, the Universal church is a people saved by grace, but a church is a people in a place. So when you are saved, you are commanded to come together in a place with people to do life together. The challenge for us today is, is to understand that we are, should be coming together as a covenant of God's people to commit together. And that's all that a covenant is. It's a, it's, it's a committing to give yourself for the good of others. That they are doing the same to give themselves for you. A covenant just means that we're committing ourselves in a place and a time to serve the Lord and bring glory to Him. And so members should be reminded of the importance of the church. Yes, there's a benefit to church membership, and we can list many of those, but most importantly, it's because we are God's people that we have been saved. It's just like a, an adopted son attends the family dinner because his brothers and sisters, not just because he's getting the benefit of a meal, but because he's part of the family. And so if you're part of God's family, you should be together with other Christians around the table, uh, signifying maybe even the Lord's table, and, and together in a church together. And if you are saved, born again, you need to be committed to the church. Jonathan Liebman writes, joining a church is a momentous and awesome thing. It signifies the fact that you have entered a kind of marriage between Christ and and his people and have been adopted into the family of God. It signifies the fact that you have changed your name, your primary associations, your primary influences, and its place on earth where you do these things. The local church is where you identify yourself with the people on whom God has placed his royal name. 
God no longer dwells in a temple of stones and cedar. He dwells in a temple of bodies and spirits. It's in the presence of the local church that you enjoy this reality. Friends, we have been saved and then placed into some beautiful relationship. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the family of Christ. He has saved you and given you the gift of his church. And if you are in a place, you need to be committed to a local group of Christians for your life. So if you're local, consider joining Hebron Baptist Church. If you're traveling today, go back to your, your, the place that you live and find a Bible-believing, covenantal church that takes membership seriously. Let us be reminded that the church is not just some random group of people that we've been put together in, but a place bought with the blood of Jesus. And that there would be no reason for us to gather here today it wasn't for him and there's no other reason except for that that we should commit to one another as we close I want us to read together just as a opportunity of response the first paragraph of our church covenant as we're walking through the church covenant together in these scriptures and then I'm going to pray and afterwards we're going to sing and maybe you want to come forward and and say pastor I want to be baptized I want to show the world that I'm saved by grace. Or maybe you want to come forward and say, Pastor, I want to join Hebron Baptist Church. I've been on the fence, and today God's pretty much given me a crystal clear direction of where I need to go in this, this place. But we want to respond to Christ, and this is just one way that we want to do so. And then I'm going to pray together. So let's just do this. Let's stand. Everyone, let's just say this out loud together. Having, as we trust, been brought by divine grace to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus and to give up ourselves to Him, and having been baptized upon the profession of our faith in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, relying on His gracious aid, solemnly and joyfully renew our covenant to each other as one body in Christ. Let us pray. God, we are thankful for the reminder of the gift of the church and of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this morning that, Lord, we understand the gift of salvation through your son, but the gift of the church. May we who are in covenant with each other grow all the more committed to each other. And may those of us who are separated from you call out to Christ to be brought near. We pray, God, that you... Uh, together would work in us that would draw us together. And we know that we are your people called together by grace. May we live together and for each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may be faithfully follow him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. 
but he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him. Mm-hmm.